and welcome to this Property Life podcast. My name is Caroline Clayton and along with James D'Souza, um, we will be in each week speaking to friends and fellow investors on their tips, tricks and tactics that they use in the property market. This week, we are talking about when the best time to start investing is. Is now the right time to be jumping on those property deals? Or should we just take our foot off the pedal and wait a little for things to calm down? James and I will bash this question about and see what you think. Hi, James. Good to see you. Hi, Caroline. How are you doing? I wasn't sure if you were going to take the lead there or me. (laughs) A little pause. Uh, We're back. We're back. Uh, for another amazing podcast episode. Today is quite a topical one, isn't it? We keep getting asked this. It is. We had a, you know, it was kind of inspired by a question that we had on our uh, Property Wealth System community Facebook page. I saw and I thought that would be a really good topic for the podcast. So the question that was asked, I think it was Marina asked, um, is now a good time to be investing in property? And if so, what strategies? And that kind of led after a bit of a discussion between myself and Caroline, we thought, yeah, let's let's chat about when is the best time to invest and and kind of cover this entire topic um, this week on the podcast. It's really funny. I, when I'm at the school gate and someone says, what do you do? And I say, oh, I'm a property investor. They go, oh, is now a good time to be buying? So that like normally a really quick uh, response to um, that kind of topic. Mm. So let's talk about timing. Is there a perfect time to be buying property, James? I think there is, um, but you only know that after the after it's been and gone. Yeah, um, if, if you kind of go back and look at, you know, average house price graphs and things like that, you're going to be like, I want to buy at the very bottom of that dip because that's when properties were the cheapest at that moment in time. Yeah. However, we don't have that ability to kind of go back and say, right, I'm buying it at that price that time. So there is a perfect time, but it's next to impossible to predict And ultimately, if you've got the right strategy, the right mindset, and you are playing the long game in property and you're not kind of using it as a get rich quick mechanism, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it is. When I started buying properly, it was, you know, in the worst recession in living memory. And everyone was saying, this is the worst time. This is the worst time. Property values are dropping, 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 dropping. And they did. They dropped from me purchasing in 2009. They dropped 2010 and but because I, I purchased it in a particular way that didn't matter and I but guess you also pre-crash as well didn't you as an amateur yes yeah bought pre-crash uh, um, and post-crash and but and I haven't stopped buying since no. like you you you're just continue we're continually buying N- never have we sat down as property investors and said guys I think we just need to take the foot off the gas and keep our powder dry and maybe just uh decide that uh now's you know the time to just not, not for a while yeah exactly it's a bit like so, so the, the ones that you bought pre-crash so kind of 2006 the ones you bought as amateurs Obviously, mm. when recession hit and when you started buying as a professional, the, those would have been, I guess, in negative equity. Um, yes. De- well, we we did get a kind of discount on them. However, we had our deposits stuck. Yeah. So the money yeah. stuck in. Yes. So, so the value would have dropped lower than you actually ended up paying for it for the a time. Would have dropped. So I guess this is... Um, um, I guess this is just uh, the ROI, I guess, if you looked at mm. it, would have looked much, much worse. But um, it was still putting money in your pocket. It was still positive cash yeah, flow. It was still positive cash flow. But 
but there, there was, was still demand. Very... There was still big demand for so there was always somebody wanting to to rent that out. I guess. Yes, absolutely. I guess we just didn't. We had seven that we'd bought like idiots, and it just wasn't enough to keep us hmm. keep us going. Because I think when I was buying like an amateur, I was looking at the net worth bit, like what are they worth. And what did I buy them for? And therefore, that's the uplift. Mm. So then in a crash situation, you go, oh, oh, okay. Well, they're not doing very well because I've lost money. I've lost money. But in actual fact, when you completely change the way you look Mm. at something, um, then then the results, you know, changes as well. The bank didn't come knocking because you were in negative equity and the amount that they had lent you for that property was now worth sort of more than the the property itself was worth. So they didn't come knocking on the door. I'm guessing the cost of your finance also dropped as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the key is really the leverage, right? The loan mm. to values is really is key because there were people around us that we met on networking events who were leveraged at like 95% loan to value. They were doing that daylight bridging. So if there's anyone listening and, and don't know what daylight bridging is, it's where you can literally buy the property in the morning. Using good, a good. Can't do it anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Did I, did I you say, say you that? can? <laughs> no. Something in the past when witchcraft was around, uh, you could buy it on the bridge in the morning and then you could refinance it in the afternoon at its uplifted market value level. Um, and that that's, that's you know, thinking about that now, wow, you could, you, well, people were buying one a day. Yeah. And one you basically didn't, you were getting your money back out in a very short period of time. No deposit. Well, the, mm. you could use the same deposit each day um and and but what they had they grew very very quickly um at, but at 95 percent loan to value if there's a dip in the market suddenly no bank will lend to you mm. so you cannot grow when arguably there are better deals around yeah so that's i think what really saved our bacon is our loan to value even when we were buying like amateurs was you kept it you kept it low so 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 just sort of good principles and and now you're not going to you're not physically able to buy investment properties with less than 25 percent deposit so it's like the the mistakes of the past are almost being prevented from happening again by you know the bank the bank of england given some credit they um they're, they're making if you if you've got the ability to to invest in property and you know how to do it you're going to yeah. be doing it safer now than you could have been doing it you know 10 15 years ago yeah, I think the real key when you're looking at a market is what's the sentiment, um, and it is always sentiments, and sentiments aren't real feelings or aren't you know aren't tangible. They aren't something that are definite. It's just a, a general feeling around lending and property as a an investment vehicle. And if banks are thinking, oh, um, we're going to drop our loan to values or we're going to increase our interest rates then that's just something to, to, to be aware of when you're looking at this for, as an investor for the masses. So how are the masses feeling? Right? So if a homeowner is looking to buy a house to live in, how easy is it for them to get a mortgage? How expensive is it for them to have that mortgage? And therefore, how aggressive are they going to go on their purchase price? And we could say right now that actually people are really nervous. You know, the media have done a brilliant job of whipping up this fear that there's going to be this big crash and property is going to drop a ton in value. So to a homeowner, that's terrifying. 
because they're kind of going, well, shit, do I need to, uh, do I need to uh, sell my property now, move into rental, buy something when properties have dropped, if I want to move up the ladder. And it kind of, it does just breed in that fear to, to people thinking, what do I do? Because this is all I've got. Well, so I think the whole market is really driven by these homeowners who are buying for themselves. And they are very put off at the idea that they'll buy their home, they'll move into it, and then it will drop in value. But in reality, that's the least important thing as a homeowner. If it's if it's you're going to be your forever house, you're going to be there for 10, 15 years, then really a little dip in the market for a couple of years is no biggie. However, that's not how the masses think, no, right? No, because the, up, the upward trend with property is that it will increase in value over time. Those ones that you bought, you know, both pre-recession and during recession, they're, they today they must be worth far more than you paid for them you know, as, as a percentage, I know they're not necessarily the, the highest of values of areas. They're not, you know, no. each of those properties hasn't become worth a million pounds each, but as a percentage increase, they've increased over time. And, you know, you might look back and go, well, yes, 2008, nine was the best time to buy. But those ones I bought towards the peak of the market in 2006, 2007, they've still done well for me because I've been in the, I've owned them for 20, 25 years now. Yeah. I, I this, um, media frenzy of this property crash that's coming it is again making not only homeowners uh, nervous but potential new investors mm -hmm. they say oh hang on i i just need to wait i just need to wait until um everything's a bit more stable yeah. but ironically when everything's a bit more stable you're not getting the best deals the prices will start to increase because <laughs> everyone wants to slice the pie because there's more confidence in the market. Yeah. It's that comes back to that whole phrase from uh, Warren Buffett, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. That's right. And, and at the moment, there is more fear in the market. You do see it from, um, you know, the, the, the headlines, the news. Um, but also when you're going out and speaking to agents, they're saying, yeah, there's less people interested in this type of property now. And all that means to us is it means, great, we can go and offer a lower on it now than we would have done six months ago. Exactly. I think the market is a bit like a seesaw in that we have a we're, we're always walking the tightrope between deals and money. Mm. OK, so when there's an abundance of money out there and banks are throwing money at potential investors or homeowners, then it's much harder to get a bargain. It's much harder to get a quality deal like it like it was in you know 2020 21 during covid everyone had sort of spare cash and was sort of thinking I'm going to go and buy a property. I want to move. I want to do this. I want to do that. Deals were right. harder to come by. They were harder to come by, but that was to the masses the best time to buy because everyone's piling in. Everyone's piling in, therefore I'm going to copy it. more expensive. I'm going to buy it now and it's going to be worth 20 grand more in two weeks. Yes, exactly. But then the other balance is, of course, when there's a scarcity of cash available, like there was in 2008, 2009, the quality of the deals go up, but the availability of the money goes down. So you've got to work harder on the, on the private, got... private lending side of things. Exactly. So you have to be very skilled at either sourcing the deals or raising the money, regardless of what the market is doing, because those two things are crucial for you to be an investor. Um, so when this question of when is the best time to buy? Well, we now. Yesterday. Like, yeah. <laughs> years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. Um, we can't but go back. It doesn't mean today is a bad time to be buying. Just yeah. because we're saying that, it doesn't mean today is a bad time to be buying at all. Because you'll look back in 10, 15 years and go, oh, I wish I'd bought in 2023 because, you know, the properties uh, have increased in value so much since then. 
I know. I had someone message me on Instagram and say, is now a good time to buy property because they're so expensive? And my response was, compared to what? Yeah. Right? Expenses like, uh, well, again, and this is a good a good example, actually. Um, whenever I was doing a refurb on a property and the builder says, oh, I could do X or I could do Y, but X is really expensive. I always say qualify expensive because expensive to the builder and expensive to me mm-hmm. are very different. Right. Um, the example I had um, was getting a roof redone. And there, there's this uh, blue, uh, red brick going on the top of the roof line. And... Um, he was trying to persuade me to recycle the existing red bricks and clean them up because it's expensive to replace them. Now, if I'd just taken his word for it, you know, I would have just had him recycle the old ones, which looked frankly a little bit tatty. But then when I said, what's expensive, he said about five pounds a tile. And actually I only needed about, let's say 40 of them. Now, when you've spent bloody tens of thousands on a roof, (laughs) <laughs> what's, right? what's an extra 200 quid what's an extra 200 quid right yeah. but to him five pounds for a tile is insania when you're getting them for pennies on the slate right mm. so i think this whole property is expensive compared to what and what's your idea of expensive mm. um the, those things are, are really again relative property today is not expensive compared to what it's going to be in three years mm. time also, I guess the other thing that is potentially scaring sort of new new investors and people just starting out on the journey, they're thinking money is also expensive. Interest rates oh. are high compared to where they have been. Um, and, you know, they, they have been. We, we've been in a hit period of historic low interest rates, you know. Yeah. And of, hopefully you've made hay while the sun shone. But if you haven't, we just yeah. need to get used to this kind of level of interest rate because that's probably what it's going to be like for the foreseeable future. I know. And actually, when you look at all the graphs and the history of it, um, like you say, that was the historic lows. That was the anomaly. But we got so spoiled by it, didn't we? We Yeah, you do. And, you you know, it's it's nice to think of cheap money. Yeah, it's well over a decade of cheap money. Like now we're like, oh, gosh, paying 4%. Crikey, that's a lot. Interesting, though, you know, as the, as base rate has increased, have we seen that come back onto our savings accounts at all? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's again, just going to help us raise our money with our mm-hmm. angel. angel. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, but the other thing is, just because you're, let's say you're, you're buying a property today and, you you know, it cash, it, as long as it's cash flowing today, I think you're in a, you're standing in a good spot. If you're, if you're paying a fair price for it, you're getting it at a discount and it's cash flowing today at today's interest rates fantastic because you're not locked onto that interest rate for the next 25 years yeah. if interest rates do drop and you think oh I'm, I'm a bit concerned i'm buying while interest rates are at their peak well in two years time you can refinance back onto a lower interest rate if that's where the rates have dropped to so you're not tying yourself in for a particularly long period yeah i i think there's just a lot of negative chat out there mm. um about being a property investor, full stop, and um, particularly for those based in Scotland, there, I mean, I'm on a, a couple of Scottish uh, Facebook groups, property investing Facebook groups, and I would say that the majority of people on there are saying that they're selling up and getting out. They're just getting out of it because the government is gearing up so pro the tenant. I mean, at the moment, just so you guys are uh, listening and know, you know, we can't evict tenants, <laughs> we can't increase the rent. rents. But that, that Frankly, it is changing. It is changing. Um, but, you know, we had a period there where we couldn't increase the rent, we couldn't evict tenants, even if they weren't paying. And interest rates were going up. So mortgages were going up for landlords and landlords were sitting there going, hang on a minute here. 
I can't, I can't actually afford to keep this tenant in the property. What's what are what are my options? Yeah. And so they've been selling up. So when the masses or or people potentially starting out hear stories like that it puts the fear on them that that could happen to them. And it just makes them think, actually, this is not the right time. I'm going to wait until the government's nicer to landlords. I'm You've also wait. got that period of political uncertainty at the moment going on in Scotland as well, which does not help. Well, I mean, well, it's, it's a it, good thing, James. <laughs> it's a good but thing. But it, 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 again, it, it takes away the certainty from we know X, Y or Z is going to happen because you don't know who's going to be the new leader. You don't know, you know, there's, there's, there is that extra element. You don't know what their sentiment's going to be regarding this. So it might get better. It might get worse as well. Who knows? And that's, I guess, why people are maybe thinking, well, prices are at a, a historic high at the moment. Now is potentially a good time to be getting out to selling. It doesn't mean that they're going to be selling them for market, market value, though, does it? That's right. And, but look, I love when there's chaos. I love when everyone's like, I'm getting out, I'm getting out, I'm getting out. When someone has got themselves into a situation where they can, the, the, the mortgage payments can't be met by the tenant's rent and they're at such a stage where they're feeling they need to sell to get out of a business, they have not set that business up correctly mm -hmm. at the beginning, right? So let's be very clear that if you purchase the property wrong in that you've structured it incorrectly, um, you've not uh, stress tested the numbers, you've not got multiple exits, then market conditions can crush you. Yeah. And I think rather than people saying, when is the best time to buy? They should be saying, how do I do this properly? Correct. And that actually is, is the real question that should be asked. How do I invest in property, regardless of what the market's doing, and remain safe and secure yeah. if there's political unrest, if interest mm -hmm. rates go up, if my tenant stops paying rent, if I can't evict my tenant, all those things we need to safeguard ourselves against. And frankly, if you've got one or two properties, you're massively exposed. If you've got a portfolio of 10, 20, because you've been able to scale, then you don't feel the pain as much. Yeah, because one, one empty property on a portfolio of two is 50% of your, your rental income disappeared, right. whereas one out of 20 is 5% gone. And you go, you know what, I can probably manage. I, it's not an ideal situation, but I can manage. Yeah, but when people start out, James, you know their expectation is they'll maybe buy one to five max. That's kind of where their heads are at because they can't believe for a second that we can get them to 10, 20 properties in three years. They think, God, I'm going to need so much money for that. And then you come right back to that amateur mindset of them thinking like, oh, when's the best time to buy? Is now a good time to buy? Now, in terms of certain strategies at the moment that are yeah. slightly not, I'm going to say more you know, risky, but they're slightly more risky. Um, yeah. if, you, if you're investing for the long term, so if you're going down a buy to let a social housing, HMO, model of commercial to resi you know you're planning on probably holding that property long term i think where there might be a potential challenge is if you're looking to maybe flip yeah because yeah. Was, yeah. what you don't want to be doing is buying now at the peak and then trying to offload that property in six to eight months time and if there then is a dip in the market you're then trying to sell in a dip so all that profit that you were expecting is kind of disappearing quite quickly with market conditions yeah i think when the sentiment is that the market's going to drop. Now, frankly, off the record, I don't really believe it's going to drop as much as they say it's going to drop. What do you think? I think there will be a bit of a dip. I think we'll probably see a five, five to eight percent price drop. Yeah. Which was sort of from now until December. Yeah, I think it's. I think 
how I how I phrase it is the demand is going to soften, mm. right? So when demand softens, then supply generally creeps creeps up. But yeah, um, people will back off. Yeah, going just, out there actively buying, won't they? You can still flip. You just all you've got to do is just make sure that the deal is a really good quality deal, and you need to factor in that extra percentage discount that the property might drop in your in your offer price. And if you're getting it for you know. 10% cheaper than you were done, you were doing originally, then you've kind of got that margin. So if there is a bit of a price drop, you're still okay. Yeah. So just to qualify for new folks listening and thinking, well, what is a good deal? Like if you were to do a flip, what would be the minimum profit you'd be looking at? It completely yeah. depends on where it is, doesn't it? Well, that's you know? good. Outside of London and outside <laughs> of Edinburgh, yeah. outside of expensive cities, What's the minimum level of profit we'd be comfortable with? On a low, on a low value property, so kind of something that you're probably buying for less than a hundred thousand pounds. Yeah. I'd be looking to make fifteen to twenty thousand pounds profit on that. You yeah. know, anything less than that doesn't doesn't do anything for me. Not because yeah. the money's not good, but it's because the risk is now higher. If I'm doing a flip for let's say eight thousand pounds. If yeah. there is a bit of a market drop, if my refurb does increase, if it takes me a little bit longer to do that refurb because of the time element, my borrowing costs increase i'm not in the business of doing property as a hobby i don't want to do it just for the for the fun of renovating a property we're doing it to put money in our pockets yeah i think yeah you're absolutely spot on that twenty thousand pound mark there mm. gives you that bit of headroom that if you if, if there is a little bit of margin like you say making fifteen thousand is is worth yeah but beyond but below that it's 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 getting a little bit get mm. a few kind of knock-on effects and it's it's not okay. just one thing but two things maybe don't go to plan because mm. as we discussed a couple of weeks ago not everything goes to plan um, <laughs> so it's about you know making sure that you're stacking the odds in your favor really by having that at least twenty thousand. and look if that's a if that's now a three hundred thousand pound property i'm buying for i'm going to be wanting more profit in there because it's all done on a percentage basis my, my profit's going to be higher but any you know price drop is going to be done on a percentage basis. My finance is done on a percentage of the purchase price, so I'm wanting even more profit in there. Yeah, absolutely. I think flipping is definitely one that I'd be cautious on mm. um, at the moment. Not to say that you can't do it, but make just sure the numbers are really good. Yeah. Um, what about doing a massive big development? You know, when when the market starts to soften a little, banks tend to change their appetite to lending on developments um what do we think about that are we still firing on all cylinders yeah again it's about it's about having a good power team around you making sure you've spoken to the key players you're speaking to brokers look a broker might tell you that they can get finance and you know it you're wanting to make sure that they're working with clients who are getting finance and ask to maybe speak to some of their clients who have got funding for the similar type of development as that you're doing recently as well I think if you're wanting to protect yourself just because a broker is going to tell you I can do x y or z actually check that fact check it make sure that they can do what they say they can do because lots of people can talk a good game um, but you don't want to have you know offer accepted raise private funds you're going through um, the development only just to find out your broker says oh actually no I, I can't do this I'm not the right person yeah, absolutely. I think when there's a big recession like a two thousand and a two thousand and eight, two thousand nine recession, you we saw a lot of, of banks just pull all their development finance, and you had unfinished development sitting there with 
developers scrabbling around trying to find the money to finish something um, and then ultimately being repossessed and it got, got very, very messy in there. So again, if you are going down the development route, make sure that the margin is big enough that if something unforeseen happens, then then you've got a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. Yeah, and that you've got a portfolio there to support the finance on that as well. And we are seeing kind of from trainings that the big shiny penny does excite people. And if they've got a job, they're thinking, great, yeah, I can, you know, I've got some spare cash, I can go and do a development. But if they lose their job, they can't feed themselves, let alone fund, the, you know, the bridge payments on the development. So we're a bit more cautious with having people jump into a development. You need to have an existing asset base that's giving you passive income to be able to support that. Yeah. I mean, now in the development that we've just started uh, this week, you know, that's two development finance companies at, at the stage of legals about to issue us the money, pulled it because of change in appetite now it's nothing to do with the deal it's nothing to do with us they've just frankly changed their minds and and you can't fight that you can't yeah. you can't change their appetite and Matt, banks change all the time you know you sp- is it's a, it's like the worst moving feast that you can ever imagine in that you don't have the certainty on that bank there is going to lend to me day in, day out, all the time on, on property mm. deals that I'm working on because I've built that relationship with them. That comes so, so, so far down the line, <laughs> like with a, a traditional bank, like so, for example, the Bank of Scotland, you know, a real traditional, conservative, not very dynamic lender. That's the type of bank that you can build relationships with and negotiate rates with and get things through. But they move at the... the Snail's pace. Snail's pace. So, you know, they're not they're not going to be ideal for every Mm. single um, transaction that you work on. And they're typically going to be a bit cheaper than a more specialized bank as well. So that's I guess a lot of people kind of get drawn to all cheap finance. But if it means you end up losing the deal because the finance can't come in quick enough, it becomes very expensive finance. Absolutely. So I think the key. (laughs) to the question of when is the best time to buy is you need to be number one very resourceful in either finding the deals and raising the money and that by the way the bigger the portfolio you have the more resourceful you need to get I found that is whenever Nick and I sit down and say oh everything will be great when we do xyz and then we get to z and it's like oh we're on to another thing now and oh everything will be great when we do that abc and and no matter how big you get you just have to be more resourceful because your problems get bigger Mm. you know you start off needing to raise say 50 grand for a deal and then as you grow in your business, now you I'm need to raise million. 500 grand, right? Then, then you get to the point, I need to raise 5 million and so on and so forth. So you just have to get more resourceful, become better at problem solving. Um, but it's never really dictated by property prices going up or down. I, no. I mean, that's probably really, really low down on my list of things that I'm looking at. Have a, have a long-term vision when it comes to property. Don't just do it for the short term. Um, if you're going to be investing in property, think of it as a as, you know a minimum of of a ten year plan. Um, yeah. Because if you're if you're going to be in property for ten years, even if you buy at today's peak, come ten years time, you're still going to have made money on that. I know, right? And like you said, if you're buying a property at a hundred thousand pound mark and it drops by five percent, I mean we we are talking pennies in the scheme yeah, of cut, things. 
cut your teeth on something small. Don't just buy. Look, I, I live in London. I, I don't invest down here because the numbers are higher, which therefore means the percentages are higher as well. So again, it's it's kind of a safer play to to invest somewhere where the prices are cheaper. It might be a little bit away from where you live, but get the right people around you, get the right knowledge on on how to be managing that, even if you don't live there. Yeah. So the short answer to the question is, when is the best time to buy? The answer is now. The answer is now. Yeah. If, you, if you're wanting to start out in property, now is as good a time as any. Yeah. If you if you've got the, the the right knowledge and support and resources. Yeah, absolutely. Get problem solving because mm-hmm. you're always always going to have challenges in this game. In fact, we were talking about maybe doing an episode on all Just the rubbish them. things. <laughs> things that happen in properties so that uh, property investing so that you can you know know exactly what you're going to be facing when you get in that'd be a bumper episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe a four hour long um so if you want to have any comments on episodes that you'd like to see content that you'd like to hear then please do come and uh, join us in our uh, property wealth system facebook group Mm -hmm. there's Uh, a property wealth system community There we are. And um, we look forward to sharing more little tips, tricks and tactics with you in the future. Thanks, James. Thanks, Caroline. Speak to you soon. See ya. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Property Life with myself and Caroline discussing all the trials and tribulations of the things that we've been recently doing. Please tune in again next week for another episode from the Property Wealth System and This Property Life team. (laughs) 